I'm super excited to kick off Season 2 of Irish Mike's Podcast. Episode 1 will feature Garrett Brown, licensed realtor, where we'll take time to discuss the real estate market in the greater Seattle area, as well as some personal information. Go ahead and check out the show notes when it's over at irishmikesmith.com forward slash podcast dash G Brown. Enjoy the show. Garrett Brown, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be uh, chatting with you about real estate and being a realtor, a licensed realtor. Uh, uh, tell us, um, how did you get into real estate? How did you get your start? Got my start pretty much right after co- the year after college, so which would have been 2012 for me. So fall of 2012, I got my license. I knew after a year of a fellowship program that I was a part of that I wanted to do some sort of sales job that was long-term sales, build, building relationships with people, and um, really help guiding people through a process. So I was either thinking mortgage advisor like you are, realtor, or financial advisor, insurance, uh, and landed on real estate because it looked like more fun and, and hands-on. So 10 years in the business as of now. Have you been in the Puget Sound area the entire time? Have not, no. I was five years in Portland and in the last five years up in Seattle. Fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic. And mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about you. Uh, family man, right? Yes, yes, new new family man. Uh, married a year and a half ago in July of 2020, uh, near the start of COVID there, and and, <laughs> uh, and just had our first baby girl four months ago. So born on New Year's Eve. Oh, that's awesome. At 11.37 p.m. On New Year's Eve? On New Year's Eve. Oh, that's pretty cool. So 23 minutes to spare. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd have been a first child in 2022. That, right. Yeah, we, we were, we were hoping, right? it would have been, it would have been, yeah, we were, we were either, either hoping for the first kid to then get on the news in the newspaper, or the or uh, born at the end of the year to get a tax break. A for, little, yeah, for 2021, for yeah, that's funny. <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the real estate market in the Puget Sound has been, you know, crazy. It's written about almost every day, it seems like, in the Seattle Times, if not um, some of the other, you know, newspapers and, and other media outlets. Um, but tell me, kind of from your perspective as a licensed realtor, um, in your opinion, what, what is kind of the street view of the market currently in King County? Yeah, the, so I'll talk street view, then I'll talk bir- bird's eye view a little bit. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'm saying, what I'm seeing street view wise is with interest rates going up, and, and I'll kick it back to you here here in a minute, but with interest rates going up, that's really putting pressure on the first time buyer and the people that don't that didn't have a prior asset. So the hard, the hardest people right now are the clients of mine that are buyers trying to buy a condo in Renton for 460 grand they're willing to pay. It appraises at 450. They said we can come up with 10 grand difference, but you know, we got to bump the price down, you know, all this kind of stuff. They're they're tight on their funds because they were looking a couple months ago when interest rates were much lower, they thought they could afford more. They can't, but but two working people uh, just no prior assets. So that that's the hard one on that one. The move up buyer is fine because they've gained so much appreciation on the place that they're selling to then buy. So they've got enough of a windfall where the interest rates are still affecting them, but not as much because they've got cash in their pocket. So the the street view I'm seeing is it's it's the interest rates going up and the run up in the run up in appreciation is most affecting those first time buyers. And we're seeing the people on, you know, the east side maybe that are, are selling a place and buying another 
aren't too as affected by by what's going on. So I I did look up some stats for some for some bird's eye view as well. I like that. So we've got we've got in King County, um, the average purchase price is eight hundred eighty thousand. That's up sixteen point six percent from last year. Wow. <laughs> now the supply and demand piece is that total sales are down twelve point two percent. So that affects um, me on the on the realtor side of there's not as many deals out there. It affects you on the mortgage side, not as many loans out there. But what I what I really think that that means is it's all supply and demand. So it's there's there's less homes out there. Prices are going to keep going up for the foreseeable future. Now, what's what's your thought on on interest rates having gone up, and where do you think um, you know where are you seeing things go? As far as that, no, I mean that's the that's the question we get all the time. You know, the magic eight ball or looking into the crystal ball, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, because you know, looking backwards, we did not uh, predict the interest rates that were going to be so low. Sometimes they were for a bit, and it last a couple of years they were in the twos. Uh, certainly, they've been in the threes for a long stretch, and that just literally has never happened in history. Um, so, and, and wasn't that all the the Fed with the start of COVID? The Fed wanted to put money in, or or, or why did why was that the case? And how yeah. and how is it changing now? Really? Yeah, exactly. So the Fed definitely uh, well played a huge role in that. Anytime we're in a recession, um, the uh, Fed is going to move money around, uh, buying mortgage backed uh, securities, uh, selling uh, bonds, all kinds of information uh, that goes back and forth. Uh, with the Fed, and they have their formula that they like to follow. Uh, what has happened here in the last year or so, um, and the, the threat of this was always kind of on the horizon, uh, was inflation. Uh, there's a lot of um, contributing factors to that. Uh, actually, the war in the Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, contributes to that. I think a huge percentage of the world's wheat, for example, comes from the Ukraine. Uh, there's other natural resources, oil and so forth, and all the products that come out of ma- uh, out of oil. Uh, as being impacted by that war. Um, and, and it filters all the way down to uh, where we are here, uh, here in the United States. Um, the, the supply chain issues because of COVID is still lingering. Um, the jokes about, uh, I'm going to go shopping for my Christmas gifts, you know, out uh, on a kayak out in the Puget Sound because we're waiting for a tanker to pull in uh, with all these container ships. I mean, that was, it's, a, it's funny to laugh at, oh, but yeah. that's kind of how it was. And even I, in construction, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say my my wife and I spent the last week trying to get baby formula, all uh, mm. all up and down, you know, Snohomish King and Pierce County, and asking relatives to say, hey, go see what you can find and find this because our automatic Amazon order didn't fulfill from the last time. So it was it was go see what's on the shelves. So uh, I mean, that's, that's a real that's a real street view right there. Oh, that yeah. is, you know, your home on Main Street, USA, and you have baby formula for your four-month-old uh, that just can't get to you. That's a huge issue. Uh, as it relates to real estate, of course, there's, um, you know, lumber, there's steel, you know, there are other parts and, and whatnot, uh, furniture, um, appliances, all of that is being I- impacted by supply chains. You know, one of the big picture theories, and I don't want to steal you, your thunder, uh, but was this idea that if we had this global economy, um, the theory was, and again, this is um, economic theory, like rudimentary Michael Smith version. Um, so don't uh, write this down necessarily. Uh, but the idea was that with a global economy is that if we're all intertwined with each other, all these countries, um, then we'd be less likely to go to war. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because we wouldn't want to, or, or somebody wouldn't want to you know, negatively impact their population right. from an economic uh, standpoint. Well, what COVID did is exposes that as kind of a problem, especially for com- uh, countries like ours and a lot of the West and other countries too, that can manufacture. We have the capacity to do so. Um, you know, everything from widgets to, to whatever. Um, and so what it did is it put a, a strain on um, the supply chain when a country like China, for example, is maybe locked down stronger than we are and they're not sending their uh, people to work to make something as, as uh, small as maybe a mask that you were supposed to wear because it can't get to the United States because there's no other companies anymore uh, in the United States making those things. Mm-hmm. Um, long answer to your question, but all of that has contributed to rising inflation. And whenever there's rising inflation, um, it, that also kind of trickles down to Joe and Susie, uh, home buyer or whatever, um, because as the cost of living goes up, they'll put a demand on the cost to their employer to increase wages. Well, if the employer increases wages, uh, they're going to increase their charge to their customers, whatever product they have. And on goes the story. So it's a really tough situation um, to be in. You said a really good point, uh, supply and demand. The way I understand it is where we live, um, the supply is still low mm-hmm. and the demand is still high. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's there's been such insatiable buyer demand. And that, again, these these first-time buyers, maybe, the, maybe some of the investor-type people are saying, hey, I've got my five or ten properties that are all at 285 interest rates or 3% interest rates last year. I'm not going to buy anything, but there's still these first-time buyers that want to get into the market. And with that being the case, why would anyone that's just making an in-town move want to sell their place in town to buy a similar property at an interest rate that if they were at three, now they're going to have to buy in at six. So those people are staying put, so there's less homes on the market for the first-time buyer to buy. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a, it's a, we're seeing that on the lending side as well. Um, where do you think the market is going to go the rest of 2022 and then into 2023? Do you mm-hmm, have any mm-hmm. crystal ball on that? So, so to this exact point, there's, there's still that backlog of buyer demand that's going to definitely take us into the next year, year and a half. So I, I hope that we slow down from Snohomish County, 26% year over year uh, price increase from April 2021 uh, to 2022. So I hope that slows down. Pierce County, they were at 16, King County at 16 too. So if, if we can get that down to, you know, national stats, say seven, eight, nine percent, that would be okay. Which is still pretty awesome. Yeah, right. When you're when you're thinking two or three percent historically. That's right. Year over year. Um, so I, I see it with that backlog of the buyer demand, there's still going to be that, that run up of prices and uh, unfortunately just it just pinches the pennies of of people as interest rates go up and and prices are not going to home prices are not going to go down and are you seeing a new construction kind of pick up steam again or are you still seeing that there's still a backlog for supplies for those uh, guys and gals that are building homes and and you know that, that uh, that's that the hard part on, on new construction i mean i can't speak exactly to the builder and, and exactly what you were talking about earlier of of all the supply chain issues um, I just know that there there is demand for new construction homes out there, and and the buyers want them. Yeah, no, they just can't get built fast enough. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tell me about your specific business. What are you, Garrett Brown? What are you doing differently? Yeah, yeah, and, and um, I mean this this will come up this will come up later. But something that I'm I'm really wanting to do and have been doing is having 
the mindset of the go-giver. Um, not just the go-getter that's green, hungry, and say, yeah, whatever, whatever you say, I'll do, what, you know, I'll, whatever you need. But of really always always adding value, always bringing something, always having uh, you know, a, little, a little carrot for either my client or the potential people. So just an open house here in Bellevue for a house last week, it was um, boba tea for all everyone that came in now it cost me money and it and none of the none of the people that came in were my buyers or my clients but hopefully it helped people feel warm and fuzzy and got my got my sellers the price or close to the price that they wanted so the the go giver that's a book right that's, and that's a mentality a really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah tell me more go deeper on that yeah yeah it's a it, it it's a a business book uh, fictional story but but talks talks through a process of really it's a guy that is comparing himself, say, oh, I, you know, the grass is greener here, this, this, that, or the other thing. It really breaks down um, the circles of influence that the that this guy may be going for and really wanting to to lean into how can I be of service? How can I help? What's what's the needs of the people around me? So <coughs> for, for you, potential client, it's I need to ask the questions to find your need and then I need to fill the need um, and it's not just not just here's what I do boom 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 but it's it's listen and be proactive to what are you looking for and how can I best serve you as a potential client I think that's awesome so um, why should a buyer or seller ultimately choose you besides that mentality and it sounds like that you have the mindset um, to uh, you know, create raving fans is another book that was right. cool, you know, years ago. But the idea of getting people the warm and fuzzy factor. But why ultimately do they pick Garrett Brown over, you know, Susie Chapstick, the realtor, totally. at for some other firm? Totally. I, I always make it a point to make sure that you are confident and competent in whatever decision that we're going to make. Again, on the buyer side, like we're talking about, it's a fast market. There's lots of things that need to happen as far as waiving appraisals, waiving, giving up earnest money right away, you know, lots of risky things that don't, um, that wouldn't have been the case three, five, ten years ago. So I'm making sure to educate everyone ahead of time, saying we, we are doing a buyer consultation ahead of time to go over the market and to go over the sale agreement. That way um, they can they can make a decision to move forward competently and confidently in what we're doing. So, and, and I've got a team around me to help to help out as well. I'm not not just a one man show, and it's taken ten years to get to that point. But of saying, I I really want to be the person that's going to educate the buyer or the seller, and then have um, I don't just pass you off to the teammate, but they're going to help you out, be boots on the ground, and then I'll loop back in when it's time to decide on an, an offer, negotiate with the other side, and then get your offer accepted. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, but what is the process today to, for getting a home sold? Take me through that process. On the seller side or the buyer side? The seller side. On the seller side. So, you know, go, going through the process, one, I'm I'm thankful when anyone does want to sell their house. Like like we said, in, uh, inventory's down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are we are glad when when uh, someone is wanting to sell because then that opens up a, a spot for someone else moving in. So now how how it works from start start to finish would be, you know, we're talking. You say, hey, I want to sell sell my house. I say, great. Um, I'll go over there and, and want to meet with you. And here again, it's it's hearing what are you looking for, where are you moving next, you know. And also, are you wanting to sell on market and get top dollar, or do you want to sell it off market as is? Maybe I can find find a buyer of 
of no repairs, you know, nothing, and, and you net more, uh, end up with more in your pocket that way. So it's really asking the questions, you know, hey, do you want the most in your pocket? Do you want to brag to your friends about the highest price that you got, even if you had to do a bunch of work and everything for it? So, so really kind of prioritizing if you want to go off market or on market, and then how much work do you want to do on the prep side? Uh, and I always, always give a couple options to say, you could do this or you could do that. Which would you rather do? What's best for you? I think you should do this. Oh, this will get you three X return by doing some work on the kitchen and the bathroom. Or hey, don't don't mess with this or that because it won't matter. People won't won't know a difference. Is that still true that the money that you spend? Um, I was always told this: yeah. the money you spend in the bathroom and a kitchen, you pretty much get that money back. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Always. Always. What do you um, think? Why do you think that is? I never really understood. That. I mean, it's it's where I think it's where people are most drawn to. Hmm. And the bathroom. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's where we it's where we spend most of our time, especially you and I. And uh, it's they're just the big ticket items. There's going, something going, comfortable about it. Mm, that's right. Going back to your supply chain stuff, it's oh no, I'm going to buy this house, but then I've got to wait another six months for appliances to come in. Hey, I want to mm-hmm. switch out my faucet. But there's a backlog and I can't get it, and then I'll have to have you know this. I'm, so we, we just want to eliminate those things that people are knocking down in their heads already. That's why again on the on the seller side, I always recommend doing the home inspection, the sewer scope ahead of time. Yes, that would have normally been what the buyer is paying for, but it's coming out of the seller's pocket to the tune of 500 bucks or 750 bucks that then could make you 10 grand, 20 grand more over the course of the weekend and on the offer review because it's. It's making buyers feel comfortable with what you have and ruling out any negative things that they have in their head to say, hey, that's that. Oh, that, you think that's an unanswered question? Nope. Here's this. Here's how old this is. Here's the answer to all your question questions so that then the, the, the buyer's realtor and the buyer can move forward confidently. You're, the you're answering price. the questions before they can be asked to some level. Exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly good. Right. That's the hope anyway. Yeah, yeah. So why um, – so you provide maybe not in every property but – uh, it sounds like at least most of them, mm-hmm. a an inspection that's sort of on file, ready to go for the buyer. Correct. They'll be able to, you know, kick the tires, as it were, on right. the house a little bit by, yep. ahead of time. Yep, and that's and that's new since COVID. I mean, in in Seattle, what we we're doing again three and five years ago, it was have five different people do a pre-inspection, get ten offers, and you're you're spending a lot of time in the house and you're wasting money, both of the ex, the the hopes of the buyers and the home inspectors who are running around doing all these pre-inspections. So it just happened that that kind of got ruled out, which is a good thing, in my opinion. We're having one inspection on file, everyone gets a chance to see it, and then decide if you want to move forward with an offer and for how much. No, that's cool. Mm-hmm. T- tell me about staging. Why do people have to kind of clean up their home and you know put some stuff in a storage box or whatever? Like, yeah. Tell me the, the magic on that. The magic on staging is to get the buyer to picture themselves in your home. Mm. With and and sometimes when it's when a home is vacant or you just you see a living room or a dining room, uh, you may not know. Uh, you you may not be able to picture quite right exactly where things are. So again, that that's another added cost up front that we think and normally makes you money on the back end. So, Got it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Picturing yeah. your own stuff or the buyer's their right. their version of your right. house, you know, right. in that house. When when you've bought places, Mike, have they been staged or or what were the scenarios like when you when you've bought places? Uh, 
when I bought a first condo, it was staged because it was the model unit of okay, a new, new construction. construction. That was in Klohani, if you remember, the last development of Klohani in Issaquah. Um, and, uh, and it was staged. Um, and so uh, as a model unit, it was very sparsely staged. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was great. But I was newly married, and uh, so it was you know, we didn't have anything anyway. Right, right. <laughs> so we could see our nothing in that place very easily. Uh, bought homes that were just completely empty with no staging. Um, and then this uh, this last home, this little farm that we now live on, mm-hmm. it actually was in the process of being remodeled. We bought it off market. Um, it was not ready to list. In right. fact, it was a couple of months before it would have been ready. And so we really got to see the property through what would our um, life look like in this place. Uh-huh. Uh, and my wife, um, who has a, a pretty good knack, as well as some of her friends for, you know, design and different things that she likes, you know, just was able to kind of fill in the gaps pretty yeah. quickly because awesome. we left a townhome uh, and moved into this big, you know, space right. um, that was completely different. Um, and it's always nice to have a, a wife or a partner or whoever that is um, got a good eye for it uh-huh. because I don't have that eye. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and exactly. And that, and that would be, again, back to you know, why would you stage? Okay, making sure people have the eye for it. So if you've got the eye for it um, and you're able to, in my mind, kind of intercept that deal ahead of time, you probably got it for a good price or what you feel Mm -hmm. is is a good price. How'd you get connected to the off-market seller there to get a couple months before they were ready? No, that's that's actually a great story. I don't want to steal your thunder, but um, we, uh, um, you know, we, we, like a lot of families around King County, uh, wanted more space, didn't like our um, sharing walls with uh, other neighbors and things like that. Or if you're not sharing a wall, there's about, you know, five feet in between the house uh, and the planned urban developments, you know, the sta- the subdivisions. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we were kind of thinking that maybe we'd have to move somewhere else, back to eastern Washington, which is where I grew up, um, or in Idaho or Montana. We really kind of fell in love with Montana because a couple of our kids uh, went to college there. Um, and we're like, well, maybe this is our only shot to have space is to move somewhere else. And we thought, well, let's give it one more shot. And uh, I called a friend of mine who's also a realtor, um, and I just had this feeling that she would know if it existed between essentially Fall City and Monroe. We didn't really want to live all the way up in Monroe, but we thought at least Duval. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just happened to, to tell us that she had a, a property that was coming on a few months down the line. Uh, a little bit of a sad story. The, the, the husband um, uh, perished uh, kind of unexpectedly. Uh, wife, they had adult children, uh, just couldn't handle the home kind of by herself right. Right. Um, any longer and wanted to live by her grandchildren. So she moved to the Midwest and had somebody basically uh, take care of selling the house. And so we peeked through um, the fence on a rainy day and there was a llama staring back at us, no joke. And uh, we're like, well, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, fast forward, we thought we'd put an offer in and I even wrote a letter. Good. I don't uh, know if people still do not that. Not allowed anymore. Not allowed anymore. <laughs> not allowed? No, yeah. Wait, not allowed. Not allowed. Oh, seriously. When did that change and how did that January happen? 1, violation of race, religion, sexual orientation. Because no you're kidding. saying, here's, you know, Here's a I'm better than of, you. Yeah, here's a picture of my. But I submitted a picture of your family, Garrett. Yeah, well, Did uh, that? Uh, yeah. That's why they gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even. I don't yeah. even know that I knew that. Yeah. I was out for a bit over the winter, so I might have missed that. So, note. so, so was I. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll touch on we'll touch on that next. How about that? Anyway, that was uh, I. That is fantastic. Well, I wrote a letter, uh-huh. um, and. Uh, it was pretty, um, uh, and actually I <laughs> included pictures as yeah, well. Yeah. Apparently you can't do that anymore. Um, and now I'm starting to 
ring true as to why that has happened or why you can't do that anymore. Anyway, the seller loved it and and thought we would be a good fit. And again, it didn't go off on market, so mm-hmm. there was some money to be saved. Right. Um, the, some of the projects that they were going to do on the property to get it ready to sell uh, kind of got put on hold, which is fine because we were going to put our own sort mm-hmm. of signature on that. Mm-hmm. And it made it just a touch more affordable. Um, and so we moved in uh, right around St. Patrick's Day of 2020. Um, and it's a six and a half acre farm, and we went. They had llamas and and goats and sheep and everything, and we moved it to beef cattle and yeah. uh, pigs, and uh, chickens and some dumb dogs and some cats. Who, <laughs> by the way, a little shout out to Boba. Yeah, uh, one of our cats just uh, birthed four kittens okay. uh, on Sunday, so she's just cranking out the kittens. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're having a blast. Uh, we're raising our own food. We're selling a little bit of it. Uh, have a huge garden, and uh, because of COVID happened right after we moved in, uh, the ad- older kids that were in college all came home and invaded, so we put them to work, and, and we're able to make it our own, so we're having That's a good awesome. time. That's awesome, and it sounds like the perfect win-win of, like you mentioned, you were able to get a place a little less with no competition, put your finishing touches on it the way that you wanted, and you helped out that seller. The seller and their family were happy to be gone and say, yep, we'd be happy at that amount, so kudos to to that realtor was able to match you guys together and say this is what's best for both parties not just for her putting her sign up in the yard and doing photos and doing her open house and and on top of that what was really cool is that the seller came back to visit um back to the area she lives in the midwest i think probably a redemption story for her great for her to see the finished product totally pass on to the next a different generation but no, that, that's exactly, and that's what she said. She said, you guys have to put on your own. We love this place. We're talking about her and her husband. Yeah. Um, you know, and we had such a great time, and they were involved in the community, and everybody that we've met that knew them uh, had nothing but great things to say. Uh, but she was very excited that we put her own touch on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, even changing out the animals, which yeah. is funny. We took down a couple of uh, outbuildings uh, that they had had and so forth. But uh, she, it was really a, a treat to have her come and visit us uh-huh. um, and uh, walk the property with us and yeah. we could hear her story and she could kind of see our vision as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And Mike, I know for, for me, I'm I'm coming out of uh, being the passenger in a T-bone car accident on a on a rural highway. So I'm I'm getting uh, coming out of it. You mentioned, you know, you were out of it for a few months. Do you mind sharing uh, <laughs> where you have been and, and your outlook on life now? No, I, well, I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, so the... Um, Sunday before Thanksgiving of last year, I mm. uh, woke my wife up and said, I think there's something wrong. And uh, I'd had some symptoms. Uh, we were told that we were exposed to COVID through one of the kids uh, at school. Um, and I was feeling a little crummy, but I don't usually feel crummy very often. And, uh, and it just got real worse, uh, real, real bad this one Sunday. Woke the wife up and I said, I think you have to call the ambulance. I think there's something really wrong here. And I didn't come home until February 1st. Um, I had the Delta variant of uh, COVID, um, and it knocked me down, and I was under sedation and ventilators and all the stuff you read about and hear about. I had all that plus some, uh, even on the ECMO machine, which I didn't realize, uh, where they kind of recycle your blood. They take it out of one spot and put it back in And the they've other. only got a couple of those in the whole state of Washington, right? Correct. So, you know, woof, hashtag woof, I'm a Husky. I uh-huh. ended up being transferred to the University of Washington. And they took really good care of me. A shout out to the MDs, nurses, and specialists. Um, they, they, along with the prayer, prayers of so many friends and family and coworkers and people like you, just um, I wouldn't have made it without it. It mm-hmm. was a team approach. And 
Um, in fact, uh, many of the specialists told me at various points that they just did not expect me to make it because so many other people that were in my spot uh, did not make it. In fact, yeah. a lot of them that didn't even have it as bad as I did uh, didn't make it. Um, in fact, one one little anecdote, uh, one of the therapists uh, near the last, I don't know, few weeks of me uh, being there, but I didn't know when the exit was going to be at the time, I was able to stand up and she helped me and it was, which by the way is a trip when you've been <laughs> standing for 46 years and then now you can't. Um, she said, you're going to make three, it. For three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I was just, yeah, I didn't realize that I couldn't stand. I was like, of course I can't. Oops, I can't. And I was exhausted anyway. She says, um, she says you're going to make it. You're going to be able to go home. And I, I just remember looking at her going, well, what, what does that mean? You know, were um, yeah, we worried that I wasn't able to go home? And she said, uh, a lot of people never made it home. Every, everyone else was worried except for you. Well, there was something <laughs> at some point, and this is important to share. Yeah. The 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 medical team, I think God Himself, the prayers of of so many people kept me alive until I began to come to. I felt really strongly. I was meditating on this word believe, that I had to believe that I could be healed. I had to believe in my heart and in my mind and start telling my body to get back on track. Right. Um, that I wouldn't make it if I didn't. Um, have some ownership in my healing. Um, and so I uh, ended up having, uh, ended up being one of the doctors, uh, wrote it in a big black letters, uh, Sharpie, um, belief. Uh, and it was put up on my wall uh, so I could look at it every day. Um, and you I'd, saw it, you felt it, you, you truly did. And I meditated on it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I literally, you're gonna, you might laugh at this, but I literally started speaking to various parts of my body that were messed up because the Delta variant is essentially a pneumonia. Um, and I told my lungs, I said, you got to clear out. I literally opened my mouth and, or in my mind's mouth, if, that, right. if that's a thing, yeah. um, and said, get right, get healed, clear out, you know, mucus, phlegm, whatever that fluid is in there, get out, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not kidding. After I almost didn't make it, um, at the end of December into January, um, almost daily I started getting good news. Mm. And I'd have doctors and nurses and others that would either see me in the hallway when I was practicing walking or they would stop by my room. They would ask, do you remember me? I said, no. Uh, and then they'd say, oh, I helped you in the ICU. And they'd just shake their head. I, I can't believe that you're here. I can't believe yeah. you're going to make it. So it, it really was an encouragement to a lot of people, people who prayed here, people who stood with me, even Guild, my, my company, um, were, was fantastic, huge support to mm -hmm. me and my family. Um, and then all the professionals uh, that were a part of it. Um, you know, somebody, I'll, I'll share this with you. Somebody was frustrated with me because uh, I, I first gave, um, you know, thanks uh, to God for healing me. Uh, Interesting. And, yeah, they, they said, you know, why can't you give more credit to the MDs or the, or the you know, the different right. specialists? And I, I was very clear. I said, look, it was, it was a team. It's everybody. God, people praying for me and the medical team that I had. We would ask God to, to help coach the uh, doctors and whatnot, just to make sure that, you know, made if they had to pivot, pivot. Right. Because again, so many people did not make it. Um, and in the words of my primary doctor, when I came back, she goes, Mike, you're a walking miracle. 
I did not expect to see you ever again. I certainly didn't expect to see you this quickly, and I certainly did not expect you to walk. I thought you'd be in a wheelchair for a long time. I'm driving, Garrett. I'm, I can eat what I want. They even allow me one to two drinks a week, Yeah, which is exciting. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to smoke cigars any longer. But uh, um, it's not the weight loss program I recommend, but I did lose almost 70 pounds. That's right. Uh, anyway, um, I, I went from probably a dozen or more medicines down to about four um, already. So um, my body is getting stronger. My endurance is getting better, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks for asking. Oh, I mean, we, we're so glad to still have you here. And, and it truly shows, too, that there's there's more on this earth left for you to do. And there's, there's a reason why, you're, why, why you are still here. It's probably to harass you, partly. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. fine. Yeah, that's right. That's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let me ask a couple more questions oh, yeah. as we wrap up. Um, yeah. What can a relationship with a good lender do for you um, as a realtor? What, what is it like to have a team uh, approach to working with your clients? Mm-hmm. The team approach, just like I was mentioning earlier on, on the buyer consultation or the seller consult- consultation, I know that I'm going to be the best at helping educate you on the market, negotiating for you on your behalf, and getting your offer accepted or on the sales side getting your top dollar. The lender is going to be the best at explaining the loan, how they can uh, help get you, what, what that means for your monthly payment, how that all works, get you confident on that side. Just like how the stager is going to be the best at this, the transaction coordinator is going to be the best at paperwork um, where you and I aren't. So I always say it's best to have a lender like you, Mike, that I work closely with that's able to be in good communication with all parties so that there's nothing that get lost, lost in translation. So when you're out for a couple months in the hospital, I'm still talking to your team about a deal. So I haven't felt like on the realtor side that anyone's dropped the ball because someone else has picked, picked up the baton. So... Um, you know, you guys have systems in place and things that when someone, you know, does go out for COVID and, uh, and, uh, on the ECMO machine and everything, um, or gets hit by a car that things keep, keep moving on. I love that. Well, so I, we, I, I'm really good at bashing the big depository banks, but have you ever had a Wells Fargo or a U.S. bank loan officer call you at seven o'clock at night when you're trying to write an offer, you're trying to run a scenario by them uh, to see if your client would would be a good fit for, for something? Uh, never at seven o'clock at night because <laughs> it's it's only five, five o'clock central time or five o'clock That's East right. Coast time. That's right. Uh-huh. Right? So one of the things that we try to do is be available for you right. guys, right? Because you're showing yeah. homes that when? In the evenings and the oh, weekends yeah. still? Oh, yeah. Right? have to. So it's important, I would think, mm-hmm. right, to be able to uh, shoot out a text or a quick email or a call and say, "Hey, I've got a, a pinch. Yep. Can I, you know, can you help me?" Is that right. true? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And just, I mean, again, with lack of inventory, new houses pop up this morning, and I'm showing places six and seven o'clock tonight. That then the guy may want to write offers on tonight. Wow. And beat, you know, beat out the competition. So. Before I share a couple, ask a yeah. couple of fun questions that have nothing to do with real estate. Uh-huh. What what else would you want to tell me about the market, about Garrett Brown Realty? You know the your your brand, what it is that you provide buyers and and sellers. Yeah. Um, what what is is there anything else that you'd want to kind of add to wrap a ribbon around you know this real estate chat? To to put it on, uh, uh, you know, to to put the bow on it, it's it's a very competitive market right now there are plenty of realtors out there and make sure that you pick the realtor like me that's going to um, 
get you educated on the market and advocate on your behalf and available and have people around that are available um, to help you whenever the time's right for you. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, let's do a couple of fun questions as we wrap up. You're scrolling through TV. Uh Maybe you don't get a chance to do that as much anymore as a new (laughs) dad. Uh, And you're, you're going through the guide and there's a movie that's on part way. What is it? What's one or two movies that you always stop no matter what and watch at least for a few minutes for a few minutes. Gosh, it's always the sports movies. Hoosiers, Sandlot was a a favorite when I was a, a kid. So in, any any of those sports movies that are on, I'll always watch those. You're killing um, me, Smalls. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, now the, the the flip side of that is is uh, I would rather spend my time uh, instead of watching the current Mariners of hey let's let's YouTube some highlights of '95 Mariners, '96 Sonics, '2013 Seahawks. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather go back and watch those highlights than than the present day stuff. So. You weren't living in Seattle yet, but in 95 and 96, that was a good time to live in yep, Seattle. That was your heyday. You were in college then? I was at the University of Washington, and the Huskies were the number one thing in town. The Sonics were right behind them, and we had the rise of the Mariners, yeah. and the town went absolutely berserk, and it was the coolest stretch. And, of course, that was when grunge music was at its heyday. Right. This was so the you had epicenter. all pop culture. It was all here. The, the, the worst... The worst uh, sports team that we had were the Seahawks at the right. time. And, of course, that all flipped. But, um, but, yeah, it was a good time to be a Husky. It was a good time to live in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love sports movies. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, best podcast or book you have read or heard recently? Well, it's definitely Irish Mike Smith's podcast. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that these episodes are going to get back up and running and everything. I am, too. <laughs> Thank um, you. It's definitely, again, with – with having the the newborn and and late not late night feeds and early morning feeds, it's definitely more podcasts than books. Um, but the the one book I mentioned earlier is The Go Giver. So and this is a, a new copy. I have my old one marked up, but this is a new one for you. Oh, thank you. And a lot of the key, you know the key things that they touch on in here, you know, the five laws of stratospheric success, law of value. Uh, your, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than what you take in payment. The law of compensation, your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. And that's what we're talking about you know, right now and kind of the attitude behind you know your business and mine both. Uh, law of influence, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Law of authenticity, which you were just here right now, the most valuable gift you have to offer someone is yourself. And then the, the law of reciprocity, or sorry, receptivity. The key of effective giving is to stay open to receiving. I love that. You know, you never know when it's coming back, but but have open hands and everything. So that's the, the book. go-giver. Oh, that, thank that's you. That's the book I want you to have. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. We'll put it on, in the notes, too, where people can go to Amazon or whatever to buy a copy. Yep. Uh, on the way out, I know we have to wrap it up. What is a favorite guilty food snack that... It, it's, I'm it's, assuming you eat really healthy oh, all never. the time. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. It's 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 your candy bowl out front by your your front desk. Right. Twix, Snickers, <laughs> Mary Starburst, keeps it loaded. Yeah. Coke, Coca Cola, Coke Zero, Dr Pepper. You guys have it all. Yeah, yeah. So it, it just, makes it makes it worth doing a pop by because I know I'm going to get something back. Just come by to Guild and get uh-huh. a snack. I uh-huh. love it. I love yeah. it. What, well, what? Yeah. Go ahead. What? What? Going back to those. What's What's a podcaster book for you? You know, I there's I listen to three podcasts mm-hmm. primarily. What are um, I Art of Manliness. Okay. Um, I really like uh, when he talks about uh, military history and interviews 
Um, Is that relates to your, your family and everything? Yeah, my son's in the Army, um, and I have always been fascinated by military history in general. There's always a good rhythm. There's always something to learn. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. Uh, Brian Buffini, um, huge real estate coach. Um, he's got some great interviews and some really good stuff. Um, I like to get fired up by listening yep. to him. And then the third one is actually a local sports cast, uh, Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, I don't know Mitch if you Levy. know him. Mitch Levy, yeah. yeah. Again, 90s, <laughs> uh, he was the guy on AM radio. Um, and I just think it's better than listening to sports to the, radio to regular. any yeah, longer. Because yeah. he's, he's an excellent interviewer. But those are the three. Yep. Well, and, and he's got a great mix of, of sports and human interest totally. in, interviews on there. And each week is has a nice rhythm to it, but there's always a nice mix of, of different types of interviews. Yeah, no, I'm a big a big fan, especially in during football season. I get extra excited because uh-huh. I'm a big football fan. Yeah, Garrett, where can people get more information about you and your your business? The e- easiest one, or the, or the best way to see a bunch of things would be on on Instagram, GB Living the Life. Okay, uh, John ten ten in the Bible says I've come I've come to give life and life to the full. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so that's the living the. I life didn't realize piece. that was the. Oh living. yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. So and then same same thing. Website's the same thing. GBLivingTheLife.com. Um, so they can find out about your listings and, yep, and yep, who you, you are, you, connect you, with you. YouTube videos, how to how to attract um, more buyers to your home. You know what we're doing to get offers accepted right now. All those all those videos are up on there, or diff- different houses that um, we have, and say, hey, we like new construction townhouses because no HOAs and here, you know, monthly payment, all this kind of stuff. So, but yeah, best way to find me is Instagram or the website gblivingthelife.com That's right. Dot com uh-huh. or on Instagram. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Well, Garrett, thanks for hanging out with me. Um, thanks so much, Mike. And helping me kick off season two uh-huh. of Irish Mike's podcast. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. That wraps up another episode of Irish Mike's podcast. Special thanks to Garrett Brown for being on episode one of season two. You can find our show notes about our discussion at irishmikesmith.com forward slash podcast dash G Brown.